0: Good morning, family. Greetings from Pastor Sidney and myself all the way from Johannesburg. And we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you are all having a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord and that the Holy Spirit is present in a mighty way. I'm sure you all gave generously and uh, this morning. And thank, thank you for helping us build the kingdom of God through this ministry. Your time, your talents, your treasure, your resources and the way you guys sow yourself into helping us build God's kingdom together as a ministry is really, really admirable. And we, we thank you and we love you for your commitment to the house. And uh, thank you so much for everything you do at the different locations. It is much, much appreciated in Jesus' name. And we say the Lord bless you and bless you and bless you. If you have your Bibles with you. Please turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 14 this morning and from verse 25 and we continue on the series of Lordship. The title of the message this morning is The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. I'm going to read the scripture first in both English and Afrikaans and then we'll unpack the word verse by verse to get a clear understanding of what Jesus is saying and how it applies to our lives. Reading from Luke chapter, Luke chapter 14 from verse 25, the Bible says, Now large crowds were going along with Jesus, and He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father, his mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God, He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a watchtower For his gods does not sit down first and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to finish it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is unable to finish the building, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one who is coming against him with 20,000. Or else, if he feels he is not powerful enough, while the other king is still a far distance away, he sends an envoy and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not carefully consider the cost and then for my sake give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the soil, nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. In the Afrikaans translation, it reads the following. In groot menigtes het saam met hom gegaan, en hy het om omgedraai en vir hulle gesê. Als iemand naar mij toe kom en hij haat nie sy vader en moeder en vrou en kinders en broers en sisters, ja, selfs ook sy eie leven nie, kan hij my disciple nie wees nie. En elke een wat sy kruis nie en achter mij aankom nie, kan my disciple nie wees nie. Van wie van jullie wat de toren wil bou, gaan nie eerst sit in die koste bereken of hij die middelen het om dit uit te voer nie. als dat as hy die fundament geleid het en niet in staat is om dit te voltooi nie, almal wat het sien, nie miskien met hom al begin spot en sê, hierdie man het begin bouwen en kon nie klaarkry nie, of wat er koning wat optrek om tegen een ander koningslag te leveren, gaan nie eerst sit en beraadslag of hy in staat is om met duizend uh, die een te ontmoet wat met 20.000 tegenomkom. Anders stier hy een gesandskap as die ander een nog ver is en vraag vredesvoorwaardes. So kan dan ook niemand van julle, wat niet afzien van al sy besittings, my wie wees nie. Die soud is goed, maar as die soud laf geword het, waarmee sal het smakelijk gemaakt word? Dit is nie bruikbaar vir die grond, of voor die ashoop nie. Hulle gooi dit buitenkant weg. Wie oore het om te hoor, laat omhoor. Lukas hoofstuk 14, vanaf vers 25 tot 35. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, the Bible reads and says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. Now notice something here. The first thing we learn is that Jesus was always looking for disciples from the crowd. So there's a big difference between a crowd and followers, true followers. So a crowd of people, in a crowd of people, because it's such a lot of people, you get people that wanted to be with jesus for various reasons and that's okay some of them had illnesses some of them had sicknesses some of them have, you know what their needs met but when we read the bible we see that wherever jesus went there was always a crowd there's always something attractive about jesus and uh, i think people knew that when he was there there was something about uh, jesus that really met their needs and so people would gather in crowds and hear his teaching and uh, they would see his miracles that he performed and he was just an absolute wonder walking on the earth and I, and and there's no there's no doubting that uh, there was something unique about Jesus that people saw in him that was not like what they saw in other people and so crowds would gather around Jesus but Jesus is a is a is a is a very very good recruiter so he turns around he says there's a crowd of people here but let me tell you something people he says to them you can all celebrate the healing celebrate the blessing celebrate the bread that i'm feeding you with and uh but there's one thing he turns to them and he looks for disciples from the crowd so many believe but becoming his disciple is something completely, completely different. We see that happening every day today, you know. It's not difficult to draw a crowd to the place. But once we call people for commitment and we say to them, now forsake your life, give up everything you have and follow Jesus, that's entirely a different story altogether. So here in the scripture, we find Jesus really calling out disciples. In verse 26, He then says to them and says, if any man comes to me and he does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So the word hate here literally means to love less. So it's not hate in the evil sense of the word. Jesus is alluding to loving and being more devoted to him than our closest relationships. He should be in another category altogether and should never be competing with even our closest relatives for love, affection and devotion. Practically speaking, when it comes down to choosing between our families and Jesus, we choose Jesus. When it comes down to choosing between our own lives, our own worlds, our own plans, the things that make us happy, the things that we think make us happy and Jesus. We choose Jesus. In verse 27, the Bible reads and says, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross is a symbol of death. It's an instrument of capital punishment in the Roman day. And the worst kind of humiliation someone could go through. None of us in this room have practically and physically been crucified but in the Roman days, the way they, they, they tortured and killed people was through the method of crucifixion. And it wasn't just putting a bullet through someone's head. It wasn't just, you know, just killing him with a sword. It was a slow, suffering, torturous death that really the people would be hung on a cross and the whole town would walk past them and shake their heads in shame. And, 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 and so really crucifixion was a public humiliation. That aimed at stripping you of all kinds of dignity. So that you could die the most shameless, uh, shameful death Sorry, that uh, any, any human could die. So crucifixion was a brutal, brutal way of not only making the person endure physical pain and suffering. But also humiliation in stripping that individual of his human dignity. And um, people crucified were submitted to public shame and mockery and were objects of scorn. So Jesus Christ is asking us to be that committed and devoted to Him even to the place of our death. This is part of the cost, family. So here's my question to you. Are you willing to die for your faith in Christ? What if your family reject you? What if your friends leave you? What if you are separated from your family? Will you still follow Jesus? In verse 28, Jesus says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. The word counts literally means in the Greek translation, using stones to count something one by one. So you can picture a little child, uh, taking a handful of stones and putting them one side and now literally wanting to count the amount of stones in in their hand. So they take one pebble at a time. They, they, they take one stone at a time and put it one side and they literally count the stones one by one. So the illustration means that the counting of the cost that Christ is talking about here is not a haphazard. It's not a... It's not a random counting it's a, it's a calculated it's a calculated count it's careful calculation of do i want to truly follow jesus and follow him to the end and do i am i prepared to suffer persecution to suffer ridicule To suffer to the place of my own death. If it means I follow Jesus Christ to the end. If it means that you follow Jesus Christ to the end. Notice something. Jesus places more emphasis on the importance of finishing. Too many Christians start out full of emotion without calculating the cost. So they build halfway and they don't finish. And you see this happen all the time. People today are chronic non-finishers. They start seven projects simultaneously. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to attempt this. and, And not one of those things have they calculated the cost. Do they have enough to see that thing through to completion? I think I was telling Cindy the other day, that the human race today is struggling with the issue of commitment. You know, you find, uh, you find two people dating for seven plus years. And the man is still not proposed to the woman. Why? For fear of commitment. Brother, if you don't know that this woman is the one that you want to marry after seven years of dating her. I'm telling you now, you're wasting your time and there's a fear of commitment. It's that thing of saying, I want the benefits of the relationship... But I don't want to commit myself fully just in case something goes wrong down the line. Then it's easy for me to cop out and it's easy for me to tap out and it's easy for me to pull out of my commitment and go find someone else that's going to make me happy. And that's the sort of culture sadly we are living in today is that so many people, because of a consumer culture, it's all about what others can do for me. It's all about what my church must do for me. People don't get connected to a church these days because they want to serve Christ and serve the people of God. They want to connect the church that wants to to entertain them. And as long as the pastor's preaching what I want to hear, as long as he's saying things that make me feel good, as long as he's saying things that that are not offending me, then you know, this is the church for me. But the moment the word of God challenges people, most people will up and leave and try and find somewhere else where they think the grass is greener on the other side. Paul the apostle even said in the book of Timothy, he says, preach the word because the day is coming where people will not endure sound doctrine anymore, but they will heap up to themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. I believe that we're in this, that we're in these days today. We're living in those days today. You find people just jumping from church to church, moving from this to that, and they Carry the same spirit into every area of their lives. They just cannot commit to any one thing and see that one thing through to completion. And so Jesus Christ is coming in. He's saying that we need to calculate the cost so that we don't build our Christian lives halfway and don't finish. So in the Christian life, finishing is always more important than how you start. Any person can start a race. Not many people can finish. And between our salvation and our resurrection is our discipleship. And sadly, there's many people in their discipleship phase that cop out, that fall out of the race. And then you hear they're no longer serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They're no longer planted in the, you know, in the local church. They're no longer in a community of believers. They're no longer winning the loss to Christ. They're no longer discipling people. They have copped out and they have quit due to whatever reason. Life got too tough. Someone offended me. Someone said something I didn't like. And it's just one of those things that the enemy would want us to quit on and not see it through to completion. I'll never forget, um, and Cindy will probably know about this, but Cindy and I grew up in East London. And there's this uh, place around the corner from where Cindy grew up in East London in Vergenoog. And this building was a chronic, unfinished building. That's uh, I, ca- I can't remember what they used to call it. I think they used to call it room something. But on the corner was this building that just never looked like it was going to be So it seemed like when you looked at it, it looked like someone tried to build something and then it just never it just never was finished. So I think halfway through the project, they actually realized that, guys, we don't have funds. We don't have money to continue with this thing or they've run out of materials or whatever it is. And that building really just stood as a monument of foolishness to whoever tried to start to build the thing without doing proper plans to complete it. And every single time I walk past that building, it just looked, it was, it used to hurt my eyes because it's it, there's something that wants to 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 be established there, but it's not getting off the ground. And that's exactly what lukewarm Christianity is about. We're either red hot for Christ or you're ice cold, but you can't be stuck in the middle, not sure whether you want to complete the journey with Christ. So the moment you put up your hand after counting the cost, the moment you raise your hand. Brother, you better make sure that you're going to go all the way with Jesus. Disciples don't quit. Disciples don't quit. It's more important to start two things and finish two things than to start seven things and get halfway and quit. For a true disciple of Jesus Christ, quitting and checking out is not an option. What we commit to, we finish. What we don't intend on finishing, we don't commit to in the first place. We don't quit on our church. We don't quit on our God. We don't quit on community. We don't quit on our wives. We don't quit on our husbands. We don't quit on our children. We simply do not quit. Luke chapter 14 in verse 29. Jesus says, Lest happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish once again we see finishing more important than starting you either starting and finishing or not starting at all but starting and not finishing something is embarrassing it is so with following jesus there's a cost you and i need to count that cost and when we commit to following there's simply no option of quitting Luke chapter 14 and verse 31 reads, Or what king, going to make war against another king, sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? In verse 32, or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassage and desires conditions of peace. So here Jesus, once again, makes an example of a king who emotionally runs out and declares war on another king and nation. Once again, the king doesn't count the cost. What is the result? While the war has already started, the troops are in place. The opposition king is busy advancing and uh, the war has already been committed to. He now realizes he doesn't have enough men to win the fight. And mid battle, something he probably should have thought of before declaring war, He needs to ask for terms of peace. How embarrassing. And this king ends up embarrassed. What's the lesson? We need to count the cost. And once the cost of following Jesus is counted, decide you're either in or you're out. Once you have committed, do not quit. And see it through to the very end. Luke chapter 14 and verse 33 reads, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. The word forsakes in the scripture literally means say adio. It means say adio. Now you, you hear a lot of people who say adios amigos or they say adios. It literally means the same as in adio amigo or to say goodbye to something or someone. So unless you are prepared to say goodbye to your former life, goodbye to your family, goodbye to yourself, goodbye to the plans you had for your life, goodbye to your money, goodbye to your time, goodbye to all that you have, you cannot be Jesus' disciple. These are really challenging words. Luke chapter 14 and verse 34. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? In verse 35, it is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that has ear to hear, let him hear. There's nothing worse than something that is supposed to produce flavor itself becoming flavorless. Notice what Christ says. He makes reference and he says, salt is good. Remember in another passage of scripture, he says, you are the salt of the world. You are the salt. You are the light. So salt preserves something and salt adds flavor to something. But if the very thing that should be preserving our culture and adding flavor or or changing people's lives, if that thing loses its flavor, its fire, its passion, its influence, how does it become full of taste again? And Christ says, It's neither good for the land, nor is it good for the dunghill. So there's nothing worse than being 50% into Christianity. There's nothing worse than being a lukewarm Christian. You'd rather be red hot for Christ, or you'd rather be ice cold. But something that's in the middle, you don't always quite know where it fits. It's a bit of an awkward one, because you don't know where to put the salt. The salt is so tasteless that it doesn't benefit the land, and it also doesn't benefit you know the downhill, so so it starts to be a purposeless, drifting, um, directionless uh tool that actually becomes worthless because you don't know where to put it, you don't know where it is going to have its maximum impact. So, there is no middle ground in this thing, it's either 100% Jesus or nothing percent Jesus, but you can't have be stuck in the middle. Having committed and now you're 50% of the way in. And now you decide following Jesus is not for me. Brother, that's equivalent to starting to build and not finishing a building. And Jesus says people will walk past you and mock you and laugh at you and say, Ha ha ha, you started in this journey, but look at you now. You've tapped out. You're no longer a Christian. You're no longer serving in the house of God. You're no longer fruitful in the Lord. You've tapped out. And so many, sadly, there's so many Christians that have once received Christ into their hearts. They are still children of God. But somewhere along the line, something happened and they've quit. They've quit on church. They've quit on, they've quit on God. They've quit reading their Bibles. They've stopped prayer. They've just picked up something, some kind of thing hurt them and they just disappeared. And they just no longer are fruitful in the kingdom of God. Only a fully committed and devoted follower of Jesus Christ is worthy salt. A watered down, lukewarm 50% Christianity is tasteless. It preserves nothing and no one else's life is better because of you. So how about you this morning? Either you're in or you're out. Have you counted the cost? Are you prepared to say goodbye to mommy and daddy? Are you prepared to say goodbye to your closest relationships and value your walk with Jesus above any other relationship in your life? Are you prepared to give up rights to your own life? Are you prepared to follow Jesus even unto your own death? Are you prepared to surrender your time, your talents, your money to him? Are you prepared to boldly share him with your friends even if they no longer want to be your friend? If you've counted the cost and you raise your hand to commit, know this. You will never quit, no matter how tough it gets. We follow Him to the end. We can't do this alone. We need community. We need our church family to stay in the race until the very end. The worst thing you can possibly do as a child of God is to disconnect yourself and go into a corner and try to be strong and fruitful in the Lord by yourself. The enemy would love nothing more than to isolate you, separate you from the body of Christ where you stand alone, where you have no one speaking into your life, where the stinging rebuke of God's word you don't hear, where you're not part of a Christian community planted in the local church where you can grow. That's the worst place you can be at as a Christian. Your chances of survival are zero. We need each other in the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus. I'd like to leave you with some closing thoughts. This morning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German author. And he writes the following. He wrote the book. The Cost of Discipleship. And he says. Christianity without discipleship. Is always Christianity without Christ. Those who aren't following Jesus. Aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers Follow. And those who don't follow aren't followers. To follow Jesus means to follow Jesus into a society where justice rules, where love shapes everything. To follow Jesus means to take up his dream and to work for it. Lastly, a disciple means a disciplined follower of Jesus. We follow him closely through his word. We do what he does and what he commands us to do. Don't be counted on the side of countless people who started out in this journey, didn't count the cost, and are now casualties in the race. They quit Christianity. They quit church. They quit on God. Be counted on the side of those who counted the cost, committed to following Jesus, and never looked back in Jesus' name. I pray for you this morning, and I pray that the word has richly blessed your life, this morning, There's some really strong, challenging words, but I really believe God wants to establish this foundation in our hearts at the beginning of 2017. Because if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all. And I'm saying to you, I'm going to die. You're going to die. But at least let our deaths count for something. At least let's leave a legacy that matters. Let's make sure that we are not half-hearted in our pursuit of God, not half-hearted in our pursuit of the truth and not half-hearted in going all the way for Jesus Christ. We should hold nothing back from the Lordship of Christ because we have a great purpose. We have a great reward. And one day we will hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to encourage, encourage you this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've come and you've visited this morning and the word has really pierced your heart. And you want to lift up your hand. You've counted the cost of following Jesus. And you're prepared to go all the way with Him. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid the price to reconcile you back to God. Out of His love. And maybe you've recognized that. And the word has challenged you this morning. I want to pray for you. If that's you, put up your hand wherever you are. The people in Kimberley, Colesburg and Bloemfontein are there to pray with you. And to connect you into the family of God. Where you can walk this journey. And be a faithful follower of Jesus right until the end. Please pray this out loud with me. Say Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And for rising from the dead. I confess that I've sinned and that I'm a sinner. And I cannot save myself. Lord right now I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean in your blood. Give me a new beginning in you, in Jesus' name. Right now, I receive you, not only as my Savior, but also as my Lord. I get off the throne of my life, and I enthrone you as Lord of my life. Lord, take everything of me. Take my life. I am counting the cost this morning, and I'm raising my hand, and I'm going to go all the way with you by your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen and amen. If you prayed that this morning, in Jesus' name, I'm sure the people at the different locations are holding you, hugging you, and encouraging you. It's a start of a great journey. But discipleship is now the next thing. So I want to encourage you to get water baptized, be added into the local church, so that you can receive the word of God and be changed and forever be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.